Welcome to Anchor Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here at the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. I'm recording this on July 17th, 2019, from my office in Mountain Home, Tennessee. Back from vacation, and just before I recorded the last podcast uh, before I went out, uh, Selenexor was approved by the FDA, so we're going to talk about that since we have a new drug approval. And this maybe isn't really a new drug. It's been around for a while. You find PubMed um, uh, uh, in vitro studies on this going back to 2013, 2014, I think. Uh, But certainly a drug that I've heard about. So this was an accelerated approval by the FDA on July 3rd for... Uh, and it's a new approval, not just for an agent, but for a disease state, um, so-called penta refractory multiple myeloma. So these are patients who had received at least two proteasome inhibitors, two immunomodulatory agents like lalinamide, and two, I'm sorry, and a uh, and daratumab, basically, an anti-CD38 monoclonal antibody. Um, and approval was based on uh, part two of the STORM trial. In fact, STORM started before Dara was out there. So part two was in the penta refractory. Part one was quad refractory. Uh, this was 122 patients taking Selenexor on days one and three of every week, along with 20 milligrams of DEX on days one and three, so 40 milligrams per week of dexamethasone. The overall response rate was modest, 25.3%. Only one of those being the complete response for very good partial responses, 16 partial responses, and a lot of toxicity. So a lot of talk on the Twitter, on other podcasts, about how this is not a good approval. Um, it's not a great approval, um, but I will, the only thing I really add about that, um, well, so the ODAC, the advisory committee, voted against approving it at this time. They wanted to wait for for a randomized study to, to decide whether or not this should be approved. But this is kind of consistent with what the a- FDA has done, is if there is a new indication um, where there is no approved agent, uh, then it's approved these things. And people might say, well, why wasn't Quisartinib approved? Well, because we have other FLT3 inhibitors approved would be my guess as to why it wasn't approved. Whereas there is no FDA-approved drug for quad, uh, sorry, or penta-refractory multiple myeloma. Uh, as far as its role in practice, I don't know. I probably would not recommend it. <coughs> um, if you had, um, like if you were taking a test, like a high-level test, and you had somebody who was penta-refractory, and it was, what's the best option for this patient? Selenexor was on there as an option. It's probably not the best option. Probably enrollment in a promising clinical trial would be the best option. That's what I would recommend to a patient. Uh, in practice, what we would probably do is, say, the person progressed after uh, only two months on pomalidomide, and that was more than a year ago. We might re-challenge the patient on pomalidomide and dexamethasone, or if they you know, didn't tolerate daratumab because it's a mild infusion reaction, we may reintroduced daratumab, something like that, um, uh, because uh, as you'll see, the drug is, is fairly toxic. Um, but f- um, this is kind of an analogy I use with learners, is even if you don't, as a pharmacist or or mid-level or whatever, even if you don't approve with this agent being used in a patient, so the example that I, that I give is, you know, neutropenic fever, you don't always have to give vancomycin. Uh, the more you give it, the more you'll get uh, vancomycin resistance, which uh, during my training, about 40% of our hemont floor were colonized with VRE, so I'm, uh, I have a good reason to limit its use where I practice. Uh, but you know, sometimes I lose uh, out on that recommendation. But it, I still, you know, want to dose the heck out of it and 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 get the best dosing I can for vancomycin. So, so the same is true for for Selenix, or even if you don't approve with with its use, you want to ensure that it's used as safely as possible. So. 
Let's talk about now how the drug works. It's a novel mechanism of action, which is kind of the theme in myeloma, right? Um, so it is a selective nuclear export inhibitor. And if you combine that and say it real fast, you start to hear selective and export and selenexor, which is probably where the name came from. Uh, the brand name, by the way, is Expovio, which is strange. Who names these things? Anyway, so it is a reversible uh, inhibitor of nuclear export. Um, and this includes nuclear export of tumor suppressor proteins, growth regulators, and oncogenic mRNA. And it does this by, um, in a reversible way, covalently binding to exportin-1 or expo-1, expo XPO one like the number one expo. The number one Montreal expo, in my opinion, was Andre Dawson. But it blocks expo-1. And what that does is lead to accumulation of tumor suppressor pro proteins, say like P53 in the nucleus, cell cycle rest, and apoptosis. Um, so if you think back to some of the biochemistry inside the nucleus and what's happening, you have, uh, you know, you got DNA. DNA gets translated to mRNA. mRNA's got to go out in the cytoplasm to make a protein. You've got all these other proteins shuffling back and forth to turn on, turn off DNA. And to move back and forth, you kind of need like an Uber to do that. So Expo One is like a, a big Uber. And it's got more than 200 protein or 200 uh, what they call cargo. So proteins, bags, people that it can transport back and forth. So by blocking this Uber, this Expo One, you do lead to accumulation of P53 uh, in the nucleus and other tumor suppressor proteins, that's good. You do prevent mRNA of, say, pro-cancer oncogenic mRNA from going out and being translated into proteins, that's good. But you're also probably having some stuff left in the nucleus that you don't want there that's not exactly uh, you know, apoptotic and probably some stuff that you're preventing from getting out in the cytoplasm that you want to. Um, so a good example of this is we're going to see that thrombocytopenia is an issue with this drug and that's been linked to um, uh, selenexor's blocking thrombopoietin signaling and megakaryocytes, which of course are precursors to platelets. Um, so and thrombopoietin is, it's a protein. Uh, so it's going to probably what's happening is um, by blocking Expo1, Selenexor is decreasing thrombopoietin uh, expression and signaling, and that's going to decrease platelet counts. And that's what we see. So this uh, serves as, um, you know, we're going to get into warnings, precautions. You'll see thrombocytopenia is the first one we talk about. A uh, little bit of basics first. The dose is 80 milligrams on days one and three every week, again, in combination with dexamethasone. Uh, that 80 milligram dose consists of four 20 milligram tablets that are supplied in blister packs based on, uh, you know, the whether you're on a 160 milligram a week schedule uh, or the first dose reduction, which is, uh, I think, 100 milligrams a week. So there are all, the, all these different schedules uh, that go into um, how the drug is supplied. So because it's in blister packs, they should um, have some good stability, which is good, which means we shouldn't have to get a whole bunch of, um, a whole bunch of uh, new dosage forms and prescriptions done when patients uh, progress on, on Selenexor. Um, it can be taken with or without regard for meals. Doesn't have any effect. So administration is fairly straightforward, with the exception of it being days one and three, which is a um, uh, you know a new dosage form. We're kind of used to day one and four with with bortezomib, uh, but that's a, a sub Q or IV. This is oral, so it would require some counseling to patients to remember to take it on day one and day three. So uh, warnings, precautions. Number one on my list here is thrombocytopenia occurred in seventy four percent. 
uh, grade three or four thrombocytopenia, which is a platelet count less than 50 and 25 respectively, incurred in 68, six, sorry, 61%, and the medium time to onset was 22 days, and there is a dose reduction for Celinex or when platelets drop to 75. Neutropenia occurred in 34%, grade three or four, neutropenia 21%, that's an ANC less than 1,000 or 500 respectively. Uh, there is a dose reduction once the ANC drops to 1,000, as well as a hemoglobin less than eight. Uh, there is a section for gastrointestinal warnings precautions. This includes nausea and vomiting. Nausea and vomiting. Nausea 72%, vomiting 41%, squarely putting this in the moderately emetogenic category. Uh, the median time to onset of, of nausea is three days, so fairly early on, and prophylactic 5-HT3 antagonists are recommended, possibly with something else as well. Remember, they are taking dexmedazone on days one and three. So a 5-HT3 antagonist and dex should suffice, uh, but, uh, but there can always be room to um, intensify your anti-emetic regimen. Uh, anorexia also occurred in 53% of patients. A grade 3 anorexia in 5%. I've never heard of a grade 3 anorexia, but that is basically significant weight loss or malnutrition to the point that patients require tube feeding or total parenteral nutrition. So pretty severe anorexia if some of these patients require tube feeds or TPN, grade three uh, anorexia. Uh, there's also, and this is not one we're used to, this is the most confusing of all electrolyte disorders, hyponatremia, which occurred in 39%, and it was a grade three or four hyponatremia in 22%, which is at least a sodium less than 125. Dose reductions do start for a sodium less than 130. The package inserts mention correcting sodium if they're hyperglycemic or have paraproteinemia, which they have myeloma, they're all gonna have paraproteinemia. They're on DEX, they're probably all gonna have hyperglycemia. <clears throat> so they probably, this does need to be corrected. What they talk about is salt tabs, normal saline, things like this. So uh, some of this may come into diet counseling and avoiding you know, really low salt foods, I guess. I don't know where in America anyway you would find that. Um, so you know, hyponatremia, I, I don't know exactly what the mechanism for that would be, but presumably has something to do with, with maybe you know, nuclear export of, of something that encodes for sodium, potassium, ATPS, PAMP, or something like that. Who knows? Um, infections, 52%, but again, these are refractory multimyeloma patients. <clears throat> they have compromised antibody production and they're immunosuppressed, so maybe that's the drug. They, there is a good bit of neutropenia, although only 3% risk of febrile neutropenia. So is this the disease state? Is this the drug and the dex? Don't know. A neurotoxicity, 30%. This includes dizziness, syncope, low levels of consciousness, altered mental status, including delirium and confusion. Now, the median onset to hyponatremia was eight days. The median onset to any of these neurological toxic events was 15 days. So is this the hyponatremia causing this, or is this the drug doing this uh, by itself? Don't know. And then, of course, embryofetal toxicity. We're all used to that with myeloma agents that are oral. Um, <clears throat> there are um, some other... If you look in the dosing administration section of the PI, there are a lot of recommended dose adjustments for toxicity, a lot, which tells me that they had to dose adjust a lot. In fact, uh, more than half patients had to have some kind of dose reduction while on the study, uh, while on the storm. So there are also dose reductions for fatigue, which occurred in 73%, 22% being grade three or four. Um, uh, the dose reduction for fatigue is if you have a grade two fatigue for more than seven days. Um, diarrhea occurred in 44%, 6% of that being uh, grade uh, three or four. Reduction started at a grade two uh, diarrhea, which is an increase in bowel movements or stools uh, by four to six per baseline after failure of supportive care. 
So if they do have a grade two diarrhea, they start to have say five extra bowel movements a day, first thing you would do is try antidiarrheals. Um, and then if that fails, then you go to the dose reduction, which goes down to 100 milligrams a day on day one, 100 milligrams weekly. As far as the absorption, uh, distribution, metabolism, excretion, the ADME pertinence, uh, there's no food effect on PK. I said that earlier. The half-life is only six to eight hours, um, which makes this day one, day three dosing one so we curious. But if you go back in the phase one study, um, they talk about uh, Expo 1 mRNA levels are decreased for up to 48 hours after a dose. So the pharmacodynamic activity lasts at least for 48 hours, hence the day, uh, the one, three uh, days one and three dosing. And in the early phase one studies, they did do like say a three time a week dosing, which, which uh, apparently was too toxic. Metabolism here is a little funny. Uh, it's a substrate of 3 or 4 and is metabolized to some extent by 3 or 4. How much? Don't know. Uh, also multiple uh, UGTs, so like UGT1A1, which we're familiar with, as well as glutathione S transferases. And um, It looks like it was thought in the early phase 1 study that this glutathione S transferase was the primary route of metabolism because one of the categories in the phase one study was to dose this drug after giving patients a, a gram of acetaminophen or paracetamol to try to deplete glutathione to see if that changed elimination. It did not. Maybe that's the most important. That's what they thought before. Maybe after that, maybe we don't know. But quote, no dedicated drug interaction studies have been performed, end quote, on this drug. So it is a 3 or 4 substrate, but we don't know what effects, uh, say, a 3 or 4 inhibitor or a 3 or 4 inducer would have at this time on this drug. So that is Selenexor. Um, you know, some of the, uh, if you go on Twitter, which is real life, um, you'll see um, one of the, the huge myeloma experts, uh, Vincent Rajkumar, who um, I don't know who the experts are in all these disease states, but I know of him, just to give you an idea of how much of an expert he is in myeloma. Um, and, and, you know, was not a fan of this. Uh, I, would, I would encourage you, uh, you know, if you want to hear what an expert uh, has to say about this, uh, stop listening to this podcast and find an expert. But he's one you can find on Twitter to see what he said. If you just search Silenexor on Twitter, you'll find it pretty quickly. So that is our new drug uh, of the week, of the month maybe. We might get another one. Who knows? Thank you for listening to Oncofarm. Uh, you know, like I say, one of the best oncology farm pharmacy podcasts uh, in the state for sure. Definitely. Um, thanks um, for those of you who have rated us on iTunes and, and done a review. That's always appreciated. Um, you can listen also on Google Play and Stitcher, SoundCloud. And until I uh, talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Mm-hmm.